Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, and so much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and space. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online, and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. This spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code POOL at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using the code POOL at checkout. FastGrowingTrees.com, code POOL. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. Today is August 4th, 2021, and our first story. In defiance of Supreme Court orders, Joe Biden has implemented a new eviction moratorium. The Supreme Court said that the executive branch does not have the authority to do so, and Congress failed to act. Joe Biden even went as far as to admit he knows it is not legal. This is shocking and sets dangerous precedent. In our next story, the approval rating for Joe Biden, Congress, Democrats, and Black Lives Matter is in the gutter. It's tanking, notably among independent voters. Now, I haven't tracked public opinion in some time, and it seems like this is really good news for Republicans, but in the end, it's just really bad news for everybody. Hopefully, we get our acts together and we make positive changes. In our last story, Joe Biden will now be administering vaccines to illegal immigrants. Many people are concerned that with 1.2 million illegal immigrants coming in this year so far, they're likely a vector for a spread of COVID at a time when our economy is already in trouble. Now, if you like this show, give us a good review and leave us five stars. And if you really like the show, share it with your friends. Now, let's get into that first story. Joe Biden has given his middle finger to the Supreme Court and he's given his middle finger to Congress. And he's decided that regardless of what the law is, regardless of what the Supreme Court says, he is going to institute a new eviction moratorium, a limited one, at least for 60 days. And there are some pretty serious penalties. Now, I'm not happy with the abuse of power. I'm also not happy with the idea of millions of people becoming homeless. But my friends, we are marching off a cliff. You see, last night, you may have seen the show. We, we had Vosh and Charlie Kirk on the Timcast IRL podcast, and it was a discussion and a debate, you know, whatever you think of it. But Charlie Kirk made a really interesting point about, I think we were talking about the, the mandates and the eviction moratoriums. And he said, the government can't take something from you without giving something in return. You know, we saw this, I th- he said it was a Fifth Amendment issue. We saw this with uh, eminent domain. Well, here we have the government telling landlords, you cannot evict anyone. Now, it's all about scale, right? If if there is a big, massive rental property company within a billion dollar company, there's a different argument to be made because there's a different impact on our society. But when it comes to the small businesses, the medium sized businesses, and even like large businesses, but small, you know, like large, but like the threshold of like a large business would be. 
You have a very serious issue in that you're mandating someone, someone to turn over their property by government order. Imagine if the government came to you and said, we can't have people starving in the streets. You are being ordered to give people your food. Imagine if they went to fast food restaurants and said, we cannot have people starving right now, so you must give people food. There's no difference. It is mandating one person give their property to another person. Now with the eminent domain argument, where does that bring us? What's the government going to do? Start paying the landlords? Wow. Are we walking towards feudalism fast? We're here with these big financial companies buying up as many properties as possible. Why? I think they can see the writing on the wall. Joe Biden just basically said, screw you, Supreme Court. I'll do what I want. You've got Democratic politicians telling him, defy the Supreme Court. Just do this. And then you get these big investment firms and they're buying up all these properties. Well, what ends up happening? The government will eventually say, okay, we can mandate that you can't evict people, but that means we have to pay you. Or there will be a lawsuit. Someone will sue the government and the courts will rule. You can't make someone homeless. It would be detrimental to society, but you are owed compensation. So the government must pay you. And where does that bring us? The people who own the property get paid by the government to maintain the property. And then the people who live in it can't be kicked out. I mean, it's, 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 I wouldn't call it communism, kind of. It's like feudalism, though. The government says, we hereby grant you, the landowner, access to the property, and you can divvy it up to the serfs, and we'll pay you. And it's not really feudalism. It is in a sense where, um, was it in feudalism? It wasn't a lot. Of, I, I, I could be getting this wrong, but my understanding is it wasn't just lord to serf. It was lord vassal serf. So like there was, uh, you know, the king or whatever, the, the regent. And then there would be vassals that uh, that controlled large portions of land that they would then divvy up to serfs. I could be wrong about that. But basically, it's a it's a it's a dark place we're heading to. I don't want people foreclosed on. I don't want people to be homeless. But they 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 destroyed the economy with a sledgehammer. And many argue it never made sense in the first place. And now they're just saying, well, we're addicted to this system and we can't get off it. And that's the problem with welfare. We got to talk about Joe Biden. But let me just give you one analogy, the way I always describe it. I like the idea that we would do programs to to help people that we have. I'm not at all opposed to to a certain degree of taxation. Uh, I I do take issue. It's tough. Taxation is tough because because. Well, let me explain. I love the idea of helping people. Private charity doesn't always get the job done properly. But when it comes to the government, what they do is they say, we have this wound on our arm, and that is this, uh, the, the, this, this pandemic, so we're going to put a bandage over it. And that is the restrictions and the lockdowns. So we're, we're, the restriction, restrictions basically saying you can't evict people, for instance. So we put this bandage on the wound saying, but don't worry. Eventually, we take the bandage off, we clean everything up, we realize there's a scar that will be there for some time, but we carry on. That's not what government does. They apply the bandage to the wound, and when it starts smelling and festering, they say, I got an idea. Let's wrap more bandages around it. What happens when you do that? It goes gangrene and your hand starts rotting, and then it falls off. That's where we're going. Because we got addicted to this, and because nobody wants to accept the harsh reality that sometimes, look, I broke my hand when I was 16. Okay, and they put it in a cast, and I kind of just ignored it, went still played guitar, even though it kind of hurt, and I shouldn't have, and I was skateboarding with a broken hand. When I took the cast off, my hand was like withered and and frail. 
I'm sure most of you know that. But eventually you say, I understand my arm has become weaker in the healing process, but we had to remove the cast. Otherwise, it would never regain its proper strength. But right now we have people saying, don't take the cast off. It's helping protect your hand. Yes, the the eviction moratorium is helping protect the, the worst of the worst. But we can't just stay stuck on this system. Unless, of course, there's gonna be more lockdowns. Here's the story. The Biden administration issues a new eviction moratorium after a federal ban lapsed. NPR reports days after a national eviction moratorium expired. The Biden admin on Tuesday issued a new, more limited freeze that remains in effect through October 3rd. Like the previous order, the two-month moratorium issued Tuesday comes from the CDC. The new ban on evictions covers parts of the U.S. that are experiencing what the CDC calls substantial and high spread of COVID. As of Tuesday afternoon, that's the vast majority of U.S. counties. The order, which cites the rise of the Delta variant, says without this order, evictions in these higher transmission areas would likely exacerbate the increase in cases. Do you see what they're doing? These, oh man, I just can't stand these people. I despise centralized authority, despise it, because this is the scumbaggery that you get. We know what the problem with the eviction moratorium ending is. It's that millions will become homeless. The CDC comes out and says, but we have to stop the spread. Yeah, keep saying it. 15 days to slow the spread. Now it's 60, I guess, after a year and a half. Well, they say the order which cites the Delta variant, increased cases, where we are right now with such high disease rates, we felt a new tailored order was needed to make sure that working Americans who were at risk of eviction could be stably housed during this really tenuous, challenging period of time. That's from Dr. Rochelle Walensky. The federal ban expired Saturday night affecting millions of Americans who had the potential to be removed from their homes if they had fallen behind on rent, which is millions of people. Since the moratorium's expiration, progressives had pressured the Biden administration to extend the pause on evictions. The administration previously said it didn't have the legal authority to issue such a measure. The new order could face legal challenges. This is the dirty game they play. You see, we saw Cuomo in New York. Talk about bad people, the Cuomo brothers. But anyway, we saw them in, uh, we saw Andrew Cuomo, governor of New York, uh, and de Blasio, and they were basically like shutting down churches and things. And when people sued saying you can't do that under the First Amendment, and the court said, that's right, you can't, Cuomo went, okay, throw out the order, new order, because that order was struck down, we'll reward it, call it a new order, and it's different. What are you going to do about it? Sue me. And a regular person doesn't have the resources to sue the government over and over and over again every time they do this. So the first eviction moratorium has ended. Oh, no, the Supreme Court says it can't be extended. It's an act of Congress that's required. And then Congress can't get the job done. So then Biden says, well, here's a new decree. It's different from the last one. There it is. That's how they do the end run around the Constitution, our legal framework. My friends, this is we, we have gone above and beyond. Now, I know, I know uh, I, I can call this feudalism. I can say it's the it's uh, serfdom has returned and our government is corrupt. But to be honest, you know, Barack Obama killed American citizens without charge or trial. And uh, uh, Donald Trump did, too. Well, Donald Trump, I, I, I can account for one individual who was killed under the orders of Trump. Obama, I think it was like it was at least two. It may have been more than that. So I don't want to pretend like our presidents have, have always been bastions of honor and integrity, necessarily, though you can disagree with some or the other. And I will say, I think Trump, for a lot of reasons, he was preferable to the Biden administration, mostly because he's like a, a, a bull in a China shop. That is the establishment. But that is neither here nor there. We are now in the Biden era. Have you seen the price of gold lately? 
It's hitting all-time highs. And when it comes to investing in gold, check out Noble Gold Investments. They have a track record of excellence that's second to none. Just look at their thousands of five-star reviews on Trustpilot, Google, and the Better Business Bureau. Customers rave about their knowledgeable staff, smooth investment process, and life-changing results, which you can see for yourself online. That's the kind of reputation you can count on. But it's not just about the reviews. Noble Gold Investments truly care about their clients. They take the time to understand your unique needs and goals, and they give expert guidance every step of the way. That level of personalized service is rare in this industry. Look, when it comes to securing your financial future, you can't afford to take chances. Go with the gold company that has earned the trust of countless investors. Visit noblegoldinvestments.com slash Tim today and discover why Noble Gold Investments is the only choice for smart, secure gold investments. Or call them at 877-646-5347. Again, that's 877-646-5347. They go on to say, Gene Sperling, who oversees the White House's rollout of COVID-19 relief, told reporters on Monday that Biden had quadruple checked whether he had the legal grounds to extend the moratorium unilaterally, but said ultimately his hands were tied by a Supreme Court ruling that blocked the CDC from extending its past moratorium. Ah, so we'll just make a new moratorium because the Supreme Court didn't say anything about that, right? Amazing. Sperling pushed back against criticism from Democrats on Capitol Hill, who argued the White House should have acted sooner in extending the earlier moratorium. He said the Supreme Court made it clear that congressional authorization was needed on the matter. Sperling added that Biden was asking state and local governments to extend or pass eviction moratoriums themselves and noted there's still billions of dollars in rental assistance aid available. I don't even know how this was constitutional in the first place. I understand that in in troubled times, you know, drastic times call for drastic measures, I suppose. But for the courts to rule, the government can seize your property without compensation. That's it. Eminent domain's over, baby. If they can now go to a landlord and say, you are obligated to provide your property to someone else, where does that lead us? Landlords, a bunch of young people, I see all these young DSA types are are talking about how a landlord isn't really a job. I'm like, dude, the the guy who worked at a machine shop and put all of his money into a property instead of like, say, a pension or maybe, well, maybe he has a pension, but maybe his, his savings is investing in a house. That way he can rent out a piece of it a room or, or a floor for his retirement that is not some scumbag corporatist capitalist whatever. It's a regular working class person with a retirement plan. And now they are losing out on their money. And we've seen the stories, many stories of just that. Can't evict, sorry. They say in remarks earlier Tuesday, Biden acknowledged the legal quandary. He said any call for a moratorium based on the Supreme Court's recent decision is likely to face obstacles. I've indicated to the CDC I'd like them to look at other alternatives than the, la- uh, than the one that is in existence, which the court had declared they're not going to allow to continue. For days, Democrats had been arguing. Of course, we saw Cori Bush. She was sleeping on the steps of, of, of Capitol. It's all performative. Well, let me tell you what happens if you are a landlord and you try to evict. We have this from Joseph Zabayos uh, Roig. He is a Congress reporter for Business Insider. And he says, the new 60-day CDC eviction moratorium carries steep criminal penalties for individual landlords who break the law. Potential $100,000 fine and one year in jail if eviction doesn't result in death. Up to $250,000 fine and a year in jail if the evicted person dies. Who gave the CDC the right to decree criminal penalty? 
They're not a lawmaking body. I understand the CDC does have some some powers, but this is above and beyond our norms. It is above and beyond what the Supreme Court had said, what Congress was able to do. This is the reality of the country we live in. And I think a lot of people need to realize this is not this country has not been a libertarian bastion for all, for for uh, in the past. There's no great period behind us in which these things weren't happening. Abraham Lincoln suspended habeas corpus. There's the, 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 the I don't know if it's true. It's apocryphal, perhaps, but a threatening an, an arrest warrant for a sitting Supreme Court justice. I mean, civil war. It was nuts. There have been many instances where the government has just decreed and done things. You know, the reality is. It's not like America has always been the greatest bastion of, uh, of freedom. However, we've greatly improved over time, uh, over the, you know, time, time, time. As the, as the years pass, we strive and demand more and more freedom. So I tell you what we see now, the people who are outraged and demanding our, our curtailing of these powers, this is, this is the, 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 the fight, the political fight that allows us to make this country better and better and better. Now, I'm not going to pretend like I'm particularly confident about where we're going. We have this new uh, non-theistic religion that's been infecting all of our institutions. It's leading to chaos in the streets. You've got a broken, a fractured media apparatus, which is resulting in people on the left and the right at each other's throats to an extreme degree. And we have Joe Biden saying, oh, the Supreme Court can't stop me. I can do what I want. If the Supreme Court does not act on this immediately, then what power does the Supreme Court have at all? If someone can say, uh, I passed a law saying that, uh, you know, I issued an executive order saying you can't uh, go to go to church anymore. And the Supreme Court says, we hereby end that that executive order. And then Biden can go, <laughs> now I'm going to say you can't go to church on Saturday with a, if you're wearing a shirt. So then everyone takes their shirts off. Oh, well, you can't say that. Okay, well, he can just keep doing it over and over and over again. That, that makes no sense. We can't function that way. The Supreme Court says, stop, you stop. We're too down to the letter of the law and not the spirit of the law. Jim Hansen on Twitter says, this is a test for SCOTUS. Biden is slapping them in the face with this illegal act. They ruled very clearly the CDC exceeded its authority to issue any eviction moratorium, and they needed new legislation to do it again. What Biden is doing violates what the Supreme Court said. This is an abuse of power. This is a violation of the checks and balances. And I have no problem calling out Donald Trump's raid in Yemen and Barack Obama's airstrikes on civilian targets. I don't care about who the president is. The problem is we cannot have an expansion of the, of the executive branch smashing everything out of its way and doing whatever it wants. There must be a separation of powers. Clearly, there's not. Clearly, there isn't. Now, I tell you this, man. Waters urges CDC to ignore Supreme Court ruling. These people are just awful. Oh, yeah, I rag on Democrats all the time. This is why Republicans are spineless and, and <laughs> a good portion of them are morons. I typically think, you know, I, I think it's fair to say, generally speaking, the Republican Party is garbage. And I'll, I'll tell you that there's a handful of Republican politicians that I do like, that I normally shout out quite a bit, you know, like Rand Paul and uh, Thomas Massey. No, I don't, agree, I don't agree with them on probably philosophical uh, political issues when it comes to the political issues surrounding like freedom, liberty, checks and balances. That, that's kind of where I'm, you know, like I like what they're doing. What I want to see is people like Waters voted out for telling the CDC to violate the law violate court orders. 
Look at this. This is amazing. She tweets it out. Uh, this is this is nuts. Maxine Waters says, I don't buy that the CDC can't extend the eviction moratorium, something it has already done in the past. Who is going to stop them? Who is going to penalize them? There's no official ruling saying they cannot extend this moratorium. Come on, CDC. Have a heart. Just do it. Yeah. Who's going to stop us if we do whatever we want? What's the Supreme Court going to do? You spineless, pathetic losers. I'll do what I want. Yeah, it's a test for SCOTUS. Doesn't the Supreme Court have like marshals or something? Can't they do something? Perhaps they can't. This is the world we get, though. This is, this, is, this is where we're at. Maxine Waters failed to get her eviction moratorium, so she just said, do it anyway. Is that the world you want to live in? You know, I think very often, um, I'm not going to be a, a, to profess to be a, an expert philosopher or someone who's greatly studied, um, you know, like deontology or utilitarianism, but I do bring them up relatively often because the rudimentary understanding that I have, admittedly rudimentary, based on, I was, I, I've read several articles about the, these concepts. Again, rudimentary. The, the idea with, with deontological thinking is that you can't take immoral acts regardless of, uh, you can't take immoral acts because you're trying to achieve a certain end. I've long said the ends do not justify the means because you never meet the ends. Life isn't going to stop. There's no goal post. There's not a point where it's like everyone in the world just checks their watch and says, we did it, guys. World over. You are always living in it. You are swimming in it. We swim in our own refuse, the, the, the laws of our own creation. Utilitarian thinking. That's people like Maxine Waters and the Democrats. This is why I'm so often opposed to what the Democrats are doing. I think that when it comes to what the CDC has done, they are taking an immoral action. I understand what they're trying to accomplish with it. I also don't want people to be evicted. But this is basically the trolley problem. You've got five people tied to a train track, one person tied to another track. And if you pull the lever, the train, the train will move and hit the one person. If you're a utilitarian, you're basically saying the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. So you pull the lever and then you kill the one person by your choice to save the five. I probably am one of the, mo the majority of people when asked who said I wouldn't touch it at all, meaning I cannot condemn that person who is safe. Because five people are at risk, I can't do it. I know it's tough, right? Because it seems illogical when you look at the math. We've got 2 million foreclo potential foreclosure evictions, like 6 million potential rental evictions. All of these people, if they get evicted, the economy could go up in flames. And I'm like, but I can't, can I can't destroy the power structure, the checks and balances. I cannot advocate for people who have done nothing wrong to have their livelihoods or their destroyed, to have their property taken from them for some greater good. Because I'll tell you what will happen. If you say now that we can violate the Supreme Court, we can violate the laws of this country and do what we want because the ends justify the means, you may get your temporary end as you see it, that people won't be evicted. But what happens next with the next president, the next president? And then within a few generations, we're all swimming in a pile of refuse of executive decree where the Supreme Court doesn't matter anymore. And whoever gets, whoever gets elected president just rubber stamps all the executive orders, tells Congress to shove it, and congratulations. That's basically the plot of Star Wars, Revenge of the Sith. When the chancellor says, I am restructuring the, the, the republic into the first galactic empire. When, when the president has the power to just say, I do, shut up, you don't matter. No, I don't think that's a good thing for any of us. What do we do to help these people who are going to be evicted? Honestly, I don't know. As I mentioned we put a bandage on because we, we saw COVID coming. It's festering that bandage. Take it off. 
clean the wound. That means, you know what? We need to have a slow and easing out of this problem. This, this, this moratorium extent, a new uh, moratorium doesn't make sense. I tell you what we need to do. I mentioned this the other day. How about just an idea off the top of my head for right now, the people who are, who are, who are not paying rent, now they have to pay 20% rent. Next month, 40%. Next month, 60%. Then 80%, then 100%. And then they would have to pay, uh, there would be a, a, a small percentage increase to accommodate the loss of revenue for those landlords over the, long, over the past year or so. Or, and this is begrudgingly, the government compensates. So New York is talking about doing something like that, like paying the landlords. But the idea is, hey, I know a way to avoid mass evictions. We tell people you've got to pay 20% of your rent. So if their rent was a thousand bucks, it's 200 bucks. And they'll say, man, okay, I'll try and figure it out. You give them time to work up to the point where you can wean them off the addiction. But it works out for the Democrats, I guess. You get, a, you get a, a large class of people who are desperate saying, you need to pay for this so I don't go homeless. And we walk towards serfdom, feudalism, or maybe even communism, where the state controls the housing sector. Where pri- it's even worse than that, because you're going to have private investment firms buying up the houses, getting guaranteed paychecks from the government, and then you will own nothing. And you'll be happy, I suppose. Well, you know what, man? Don't say you haven't been warned because you do not want to live in a country, in a world where you are a serf to the establishment elites. It is going to be the Hunger Games. Okay, they're not going to put you in an arena and make your children fight each other or anything like that. But they're going to live in the capital with their infinity pools and their private planes. And they're going to tell you what you can or can't do. Too many people I see on the left just blindly march along with this stuff, thinking that we got to do it right now. And they are empowering the authoritarian elites. As for the people on the right, yeah, there's, there, there, there's problems. Absolutely. But they don't have institutional power. So what am I going to complain about? Oh, man, Lindsey Graham got COVID. What's he doing? What is he, what is he doing? What are Trump supporters doing? Being, being locked up and insulted and called fascists? Sorry. Right now, the cultural institutions have been dominated by, by the Democrats and the establishment for some time. And it's, it's, it's just, I think it's heading us on a dark path. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I will see you all then. The honeymoon phase is over with President Joe Biden, and his approval rating is tanking. One poll showing that it dropped almost 10 percentage points. And some polls are still saying he's doing all right. But across the board, it seems that disapproval is now surpassing Joe Biden's approval rating. And I think this has a lot to do with COVID, potential lockdowns, more COVID restrictions, but also leftist politics in general. At the same time that Joe Biden's approval is tanking, support for Black Lives Matter continues to drop. Now, obviously, among the partisans, this is all predictable. Democrats still overwhelmingly support Black Lives Matter and Joe Biden. Republicans still overwhelmingly disapprove of both. But among independent voters, the most important block for 2022 coming up next year will be independent voters. Republicans going to vote Republican. Democrats going to vote Democrat. Where will the independent voters end up? And I think it's starting to look like it will be with the Republicans. Now, keep in mind, a lot of independent voters are independent because they don't like either. And it may be that many independent voters go libertarian, which is the third biggest party, and then the Republicans still don't win. But I think people are starting to wake up what's happening, wake up to what's happening with the economy. They're starting to realize that Joe Biden doesn't have any answers. 
There are now rumors that the restrictions we're seeing will ultimately evolve into lockdowns in the next couple of weeks. And we're getting some chatter. It may actually happen in Israel, one of the countries with the highest rates of vaccination. I think people are kind of getting tired of the double standard, the hypocrisy. Not only is support for Joe Biden going down, but support for the January 6 hearings is also relatively low. It's going down. People don't want this stuff. They don't care about this stuff. And they don't want the double standards. At the same time, we've seen a poll from Rasmussen saying people actually want a congressional hearing into the Black Lives Matter riots. Recession and inflation are here. Gas, housing, and everyday goods are up, way up. And you want to be ready for any situation. So what would you do if there's no food on the shelf? Arc Heirloom Seeds are here to help. Did you know 99% of seeds sold today can't reproduce? With Heirloom Seeds, you only have to plant once. Then you can grow year after year, giving you and your family stability and security because things are getting crazy out there. Our all-in-one seed kit provides everything you need to grow your own food. This premium seed kit has a over 65 varieties, 50,000 seeds in stores for 15 years. You'll also get our exclusive seed guide to make growing a no-brainer. Arc Seed Kits is a family-owned and operated business and the most trusted name in the nation for over 15 years. Our mandate is to get heirloom seeds into every home in America. Go to arcseedkits.com today and get free shipping by entering promo code podcast. That's ARKSeedKits.com, promo code podcast. Get your seeds, get prepared, get growing. ArcSeedKits.com. So why is the media still dominated by this stuff? Why is the conversation still as though Americans actually support leftist politics and the president and the Democratic Party when it seems like they don't? One of the most shocking things that I think is actually going to precipitate another decline in Joe Biden's approval is that he's effectively admitted his actions today on the eviction moratorium are illegal and will not pass constitutional muster. Some Republicans and some some conservatives are saying, good, that's that's the way the, the game is played now. Why bother actually trying to follow the law when you can just do it and then get into a lawsuit after the fact and see if you can win? I want to take a look at what was going on with the current state of public opinion. And when I noticed that independent voters were swinging away from the, the policies that Democrats were pushing, it seems to me like there may be some light at the end of the tunnel, though. It is always darkest before the dawn. And to be completely honest, this country has its ebbs and flows. It goes Democrat, it goes Republican. You know, what may be happening is that a lot of people voted in Democrats and now they're starting to sour on those Democrats and the tide is continuing to push towards Republicans. Now we'll see ultimately. I mean, Donald Trump did get about, what was it, like 12 million more votes than he got in 2020 than he got in 2016. A lot of people still voted for Joe Biden. And I think it was because of the ease of access and the lockdowns take away people's entertainment and their sports, and they turn politics into their tribal sport. But now I think regular people in this country are fed up. They don't like the inflation. They don't like the fact that more restrictions are coming. Now New York City is implementing mask mandates, and people are probably saying, enough with this stuff. We want freedom back. Maybe we'll get it. Personally, I don't think so. I think so long as you have a Republican Party that does nothing— then people can oppose the Democrats all day and night. But what are they going to vote for? Maybe the answer is the Libertarian Party. I can't tell you for sure. But let's take a look at Joe Biden's approval rating, support for Black Lives Matter, and why this may be happening. Before we get started, of course, head over to TimCast.com to become a member and get access to exclusive members-only segments from the TimCast IRL podcast. Of course, 
We had Charlie Kirk and Vosh debating last night, and we have an extended members only debate of which it's more so me debating and talking about other ideas because I wanted to mostly just kind of moderate the debate. If you want to see that stuff, go to TimCast.com, become a member and help support our fierce and independent journalism. However, if you'd also like to support this video, just hit that like button, subscribe to this channel, share the show with your friends. Let's get into this first story and see what's happening with Joe Biden's approval rating. The Hill reports Biden approval takes a hit as coronavirus surges, poll shows. We can see that according to Ground News, it is mostly Republicans reporting this. Oh, I'm sorry, I should say conservatives and right wing outlets. In which case, this may be news that many of your Democrat and lefty friends aren't aware of. And this is something they need to see. Let me stress this point to anybody who may be watching this on the left. I'm going to show you the civics breakdown, the polls with hundreds of thousands of responses between parties, the Democratic Party, the Republican and independent voters. And I'm going to show you, you are losing independent voters. This is really good news for conservatives and Republicans, really bad news for Democrats. But in actuality, it could also be extremely good news for the Libertarian Party. They've been making waves uh, recently and confidence is building, though we'll see. The Hill reports President Biden and Congress's job approval are taking a hit amid a resurgence of the coronavirus. A Harvard Caps Harris poll surveyed released Monday found Biden's approval rating dropping to 52 percent. He may still be above water. Only 43 percent of respondents disapprove of the job he's doing in the Oval Office, but he's down 10 points from where he was in June when his approval was at 62 percent. Now, I just want to stop. I'm not a big fan of these polls, and I don't know how much I believe them, to be completely honest. Let's be real. We had many people, I'm going to show you the data, saying that the economy was great during the Trump years. Even Democrats thought the economy was good. How can you have independents, Republicans, and Democrats all in the majority saying the economy is great, and then Donald Trump's approval rating in the gutter the whole time? Okay, I'll be honest. It's because Donald Trump's character. I mean, I think we, we recognize that. One thing I've often said is I've run into so many people who said, I wish the man didn't tweet so much. We love the policies, but mm, the dude can't keep his mouth shut. So yeah, maybe people disapproved of his style, his demeanor. Ultimately, I think his style and demeanor actually helped him win the election. But I have to wonder if Trump was a little bit less bombastic, maybe he would have actually done way better in 2016. I mean, just think about it. Hillary Clinton awful, just really awful. It was a low bar for Trump, to be completely honest. He did an amazing job in 2020. Still, I wonder if you could have changed his his speaking style and it would have been bigger for him. The Hill goes on to say Congress doesn't rate any better among voters. 45% say they approve of the way lawmakers are doing their jobs down nine points from June. Disapproval of Congress, meanwhile, rose from 46% to 55% in July. Both the GOP and Democratic Party are underwater, with disapproval of each rising to 52% and approval falling to 48%. Yes, this is exactly me. This is where I sit. Republicans don't do anything. They offer up no real meaningful opposition to the Democratic Party, and the Democrats are running around like chickens with their head cut off. It's just insane. Maxine Waters comes out. She says, ignore the Supreme Court, Joe Biden, just enact another eviction moratorium. And then Joe Biden says, I'm going to do it, even though I know it's probably illegal. And I'm like, these people have lost it. Republicans, where are you? Do something. And they're sitting there and Mitch McConnell just goes, slow down there, Democrats. It's that's it. Republicans are effectively Democrats going the speed limit, as the joke uh, is often stated. 
They say the across the board drop in approval comes amid broader concerns about the direction of the country, which has experienced a surge in COVID-19 cases in recent weeks as the more contagious Delta variant takes hold as the dominant strain in the U.S. That resurgence has put the coronavirus pandemic back at the top of the list of voters' concerns, according to the poll. 36% say that COVID-19 is the most important issue facing the country, a six-point increase from June when jobs in the economy topped the list of concerns. The percentage of respondents who say the country is on the right track fell to 46% last month after peaking at 53% in June, according to the Harvard Caps Harris poll. The percentage who believe the country is on the wrong track simultaneously rose to 47% after dropping to 39% in June. Optimism about the U.S. economy fared even worse in the poll, with the number of respondents who say it's on the right track falling to 43% from 49% in June. 49% now say the economy is on the wrong track, up from 42% in June. I I, want to just do a little little comment on the debate we had last night, the debate discussion. Now, for the most part, I wasn't talking all that much. You may have seen it, Charlie Kirk and Vosh. Vosh, of course, is a socialist. Charlie Kirk, of course, a conservative. And I was trying to make sure that they had their debate moment. I I, I could absolutely come in and argue all of my positions. Interestingly, however, what we end up finding, the comments from so many people saying, I, I, Tim Pool is the worst person I know, and he made a good point. And I have to wonder about this. These people don't actually watch my videos. They see grifter clips out of context made to make fun of me. Why? Because I don't like the Democratic Party, because they're the ones doing stuff. I mean, you get Donald Trump for the past uh, four years. Well, I guess five years ago and up to four years ago. And he's doing stuff. Trump was doing stuff. He was saying things. He was doing things. And boy, did this make Democrats angry. Republicans normally don't do anything. They are milk toast fence sitters. I know the joke is that I am. But come on, obviously, I'm not really. I, I, I rant about critical race theory, critical race applied principles, free speech, liberty. All the time, I have very strong positions on these. As for d- deeper moral questions on stuff, yeah, I'm pretty centrist. But what, are the, what is the Republican Party doing? What do I have to say about the Republican Party other than they don't do anything and they offer up no meaningful resistance and they don't fight for our liberty or freedom? They don't they're not fighting against the war machine. So I look at who's actually got institutional power. It's the Democratic Party. Now, if regular people on the left actually watched and didn't fall prey to that propaganda, they would see that in many circumstances yesterday, I was actually in disagreement with Charlie, which is fairly obvious to you guys who watch my videos. Let me show you why I am mad at Democrats. From the Washington Post, Biden's novel evictions defense. Maybe it's illegal, but it's worth it. Incredible. Look, with Donald Trump, we certainly had the executive orders. Donald Trump wanted to say end DACA, and the Supreme Court said you couldn't do it. People wondered how Obama was able to implement DACA through executive order, and Trump couldn't undo it. Yeah, you see, it's a double standard. Donald Trump was an elite. He said he is an elite. But he's still a political outsider. They did not like him and they did not like what he was doing. I got to be honest. It seems like there's a club with a plan. The Democratic establishment, the Republican establishment, the powerful corporate elites, they all mostly agree with each other. They may disagree sometimes. They don't fight each other. But when Trump came in, it seemed like Trump had no idea what their plan was. And he was like, I'm going to do things to help America. And they're like, stop. We have a plan. We're extracting resources and destroying the country to benefit China. Being a little bit facetious. But Trump wasn't playing that game, so they absolutely went after him. Now we have Joe Biden outright saying maybe it's illegal, but it's worth it. Amazing. 
The Washington Post says after days of his administration suggesting it couldn't do this legally, it did anyway. And Biden isn't really trying to put a good face on that either. The Washington Post says amid pressure from congressional liberals, including including Cory Bush, who demonstrated by sleeping outside of the U.S. Capitol for four nights, the Biden administration reversed course Tuesday and moved to effectively extend a pandemic era eviction moratorium. Just the day before, a top admin said that they looked hard and hadn't found a legal avenue to do such thing. It's amazing, isn't it? Joe Biden admittedly is doing things in defiance of the Supreme Court. Even Donald Trump wasn't doing that. Donald Trump didn't call in the Insurrection Act. He didn't send in the troops to get rid of these riots and these protests. Donald Trump did not do many things. He should have fired way more people. Joe Biden comes in and he's doing all this awful stuff. And you know what? Democrats just can't seem to, to, to see through it, unfortunately. And so the polling shows independent voters, you're probably an independent voter, actually drifting away on all of these issues. I think the data is quite revealing and it's very interesting and it's very bad for Democrats. Now, Gallup also has their own poll, and this is from a couple weeks ago, showing that Biden approval dropped to 50%, the lowest for him to date. This is still Gallup. I've got some other polls. And before we get into all that, I want to highlight some of the policies Joe Biden may be implementing that are freaking people out. Notably, this one from Bearing Arms, as many of you know, I'm a big 2A supporter at this time. Why Biden's new eviction moratorium should worry gun owners. I'll put it simply. If Joe Biden's attitude right now is that he can do what he wants and then you'll have to sue him later. Yeah, he'll just start doing these things and doing whatever he wants and then hope people won't have the means to actually challenge him. That's not the way things are supposed to operate. Sometimes they do. But this is just one example of, I think, why people now are pushing back against Biden, Congress, including Republicans and Democrats, and why they're generally upset with leftist policy. Taking away people's rights without due process typically doesn't go over well. I bring you to the first poll we have from Civics. I want to highlight Black Lives Matter. This one I find very interesting because it's relatively apolitical. And what I mean, what I, what I mean by that is Black Lives Matter is a cultural political movement. It does have influence in the greater politics, but it is cultural. So they influence the Democrats in many ways. But they're not pushing policy, or I should say they're not, it's, it's not a bill. It's not a law. And it's not someone running for office for the most part. Obviously, you have Democrats who do support BLM, but BLM is of its own thing. Now, interestingly, the other day when we were talking with Vosh and Charlie, Vosh said something to the effect that people overwhelmingly support Black Lives Matter in this country, that most people do. And then I I asked him, what do you think the percentage of people in this country who support Black Lives Matter is? And he didn't know. I said 45%. So this is the latest data from Civics with 237,664 responses. That, that's kind of why I like Civics. Not that it's perfect polling, but it's a very, very large sample size. So again, take it all with a grain of salt to be, to be totally fair. And, and, and the total amount of responses go back a couple of years. Keep that in mind. But there is 45% support, 42% opposition. One of the most fascinating things is that net support is actually down. It's at 4%. That brings us all the way back to to September of 2018. Black Lives Matter net support was climbing before the George Floyd incident. It was at 18%. And then now 4%. Even after the conviction of Derek Chauvin, it has still dropped. But here's what I find to be the most fascinating thing about this data. Obviously, when you select for Democrats, civics shows us 
86% of Democrats support Black Lives Matter. Now that has gone down from a peak of 90% after the George Floyd incident. It's at 86, overwhelming support. Among Republicans, 86% oppose. Now here's something truly interesting. Before the George Floyd incident, opposition was only 58% among Republicans. It wasn't overwhelmingly supporting it like Democrats were, and it wasn't a mirror image, overwhelming opposition. In fact, 33% said they were neither they, they neither support nor oppose, and 7% of Republicans actually supported it. Since then, opposition among Republicans has skyrocketed to 86%. Now, today, that polarization seems extremely obvious. It's a mirror image. If you're a Democrat, you like it. If you're a Republican, you don't. So the question remains, come the next election cycle, should these trends continue, who is going to benefit the most? Who is going to, uh, who will the independent voters side with? It may not be Republicans, but I don't think it will be Democrats. So again, could be Libertarian Party. Something fascinating happened. Independent voters going as far back as 20, September of 2019. That's when, actually a little bit further, so about October of 2019, independent voters switched from, from opposing, and it's a back and forth, to supporting Black Lives Matter. For, there, there was a previous point where that flip had occurred, but then it flipped back. So we see around 36% support from independent voters and 34% opposition. Independent voters more closely tracked with Democrats, showing that among independent voters before George Floyd, 42% of independents supported Black Lives Matter. Today, it's very different. 43% oppose, 40% support. And what happened just before the inversion? Very interestingly, the conviction of Derek Chauvin. This is huge. When Derek Chauvin was on trial, there was still independent net support of 1% for Black Lives Matter. And just after the conviction, it inverts. I believe, okay, because look, I am an independent voter. I voted Republican last time around. The last time I voted, I voted, uh, what, what did I vote for? It was, it was Obama in 2008. It was a long time ago because I didn't care. I consider myself to be an independent. Right now, I'm really excited about the Mises Caucus and the Libertarian Party actually putting a like rational face. Dave Smith, you're, 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 you're doing an amazing job, man. I'm really excited for the stuff that Dave is doing. Uh, I think he's a really smart guy. And that to me is, is fantastic. But I, I digress. I don't consider myself to be a partisan conservative. I didn't completely agree with Charlie Kirk. And I look at this. I obviously disagree with Black Lives Matter for some time. But I think it's because I'm more hyper aware of what's going on. I'm reading the news all day, every day. I think when you see rioters tearing through a city and you see uh, jurors being shuffled into a courtroom with armed police with machine guns, and then it, then you have Black Lives Matter activists and Antifa activists throwing a pig's head in blood or something on the door of what they thought was the home of witness. Yeah, regular people are going to be like, dude, this is crazy. Absolutely. But, this, but it's more than that. I highlight this just because Black Lives Matter, I believe, is, to, is, is a big cultural, it's, it's a big component in the culture war. If we go back to 2018, independent voters had 40% at, at 40% opposed Black Lives Matter and 31% supported, according to civics. There was an inversion, as I mentioned, and independent voters, along with some Republicans, overwhelmingly, well, I shouldn't say, but, but the majority supported Black Lives Matter after the George Floyd incident, and then riots happened, and then the Chauvin trial happened, and now it is back to opposition. In fact, independent voter opposition today at 43 percent 
is three percentage points higher than it was in 2018. Independent voters are moving away from leftist politics, from Joe Biden, and from Democrats in Congress. I got more for you from civics. Do you approve or disapprove of the way Joe Biden is handling his job as president? Now, fascinating. Civics shows with 83,000 responses, 49% disapprove, 44% approve. Can you predict exactly what's going to happen when I click that Democrat button? That's right. Among Democrats, 88% approve of Biden. Among Republicans, 93% disapprove. I can't expect, for the most part, to convince a staunch partisan Democrat to oppose Joe Biden, nor a staunch conservative Republican to support Joe Biden. There may be some overlap, but for the most part, it's approval and disapproval, and it's obvious. Well, then I bring you to the group that I think matters very much so moving forward, independent voters. Now, independent voters have long disapproved of Joe Biden. It started out pretty even, 43 to 43, and as time went on, disapproval went higher and higher and higher to its highest point today. 56% of independent voters disapprove of Joe Biden. 33% approve. This is big. I think this is big, big, big news for Republicans. We saw the Republican Party do extremely well in congressional races last November. They didn't take the House, but it was still a major upset. In Miami, I love citing this. It was a safe Democrat district that went Republican shocking people. Now, let me tell you why. From Newsweek, Black Lives Matter support for socialism creates sharp divide with Cuban Americans. What do you think is going to happen? When Republicans start picking up Cuban Americans, Venezuelan Americans, many uh, different communities within the Latino and Hispanic community, it's going to be very, very bad news for Democrats. I think 2022 might swing very heavily in favor of Republicans, unless, of course, there's a lockdown and then a whole bunch of, you know, lax rules on voting policy, then who knows what will happen. I want to show you a few more data points, though. So I mentioned Joe Biden's approval. How about do you think this country, uh, do you do you think things in this country are headed in the right direction or have they gotten off on the wrong track? One thing I find actually fascinating is that overwhelmingly Democrat, Republican, independent thinks uh, that we are going in the wrong direction Um, uh, and and only 34 percent think we're headed in the right direction. This has remained basically steady the whole time. Now, there was a brief period uh, at, at the end of December 71% were saying we are heading in the wrong direction, which is really interesting because this is weird. The attack on the U.S. Capitol caused a massive spike in people saying that we are headed in the right direction. No, no, no. I got to be careful here because it's actually Joe Biden's election. When Joe Biden got elected, all of a sudden there was a huge spike in people saying that we were heading in the right direction. I think it's fairly obvious, my friends. That was Democrats. Check it out. This is amazing, isn't it? 90% of people said the country, 91, 92, 93, for years were saying the country was going in the wrong direction. Now, that to me is insane. You know why? Because even Democrats thought the economy was doing fairly well under Trump, but they thought the country was going in the wrong direction. And then, <laughs> I don't know what this is, Trump tests positive for COVID, it says. And then uh, the next, no, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that what it says? What is this? Uh, okay, election day 2020. When people saw that it was moving in favor of Joe Biden, Democrats all of a sudden had a nice little bump, but it was the inauguration where it flipped. And then 79% of people in the Democratic Party said in the right direction that it's dropped to about 70. 
Now, among Republicans, very obviously, it's inverted, but not completely. Now, this I find to be really interesting. As, As the riots started occurring, Republicans thought we were going in the wrong direction more and more, though the majority, or I should should say the majority, or the plurality, 45% of Republicans said the right direction. This is really interesting, and you need to understand this in terms of modern politics. Republicans didn't care that Trump was in office. When they saw the riots and they saw things weren't getting taken care of, they said, we're going in the wrong direction. Whereas Democrats didn't flinch at all over the, over the Black Lives Matter riots. They didn't say good. They didn't say bad. They didn't care at all. Why? They probably don't know it's happening. You know, the other day when we were talking with Vosh, she said, oh, conservatives were taking Portland protests and screaming about it for weeks. And I'm like, did you read Michael Tracy's story where he went to all these small towns? And Vosh said he did. I'm like, so you knew that Black Lives Matter and Antifa were going all over the place and smashing things up. Republicans recognized that was bad, even with Trump as president, which I find truly fascinating. Now, of course, when Joe Biden was inaugurated, there's the major inversion. All of a sudden we have the, the obviously after November, there's the wrong direction and then the major spike. But again, I think independent voters are the most important. Republicans need to win them over. Democrats need to win them over. And here we can see it's been fairly static. But right now, 63% of independent voters think we are headed in the wrong direction. Again, very, very good news for the GOP moving into the midterm elections, though. I got to be honest, I, I don't see any good reason to vote for Republicans. I guess I take that back. One good reason, stopping Democrats from having a House majority. But why should I even bother? Now, I mean, let me ask you an honest question. I know there's a lot of partisan conservatives who will answer and say, you have to stop the Democrats from gaining power. And my answer is just, but the Republicans don't do anything. It's like someone's trying to, to bash the door down. And instead of stopping the person, we put a little door stop in the back of it. I'm like, that's not going to do anything. I mean, it's going to slow them down a little bit. But why would I waste my energy doing that? I don't know. I suppose I can jump out the window or I can call somebody who might actually do something. The problem, we're in this big room and the Democrats are banging on the door and you got a bunch of people being like, we're going to put a doorstop in the door. And I'm like, why don't we call for help from like, I don't know, the Libertarian Party or something. And then not enough people agree with that. So then the Libertarian Party doesn't doesn't make it. And I'll be I'll be honest too. the past candidates the, the Libertarian Party has been ooh, just I'm sorry, guys. Um, I'm not a big, I'm not, I'm not, I don't consider myself big L libertarian, but I would say I definitely like the libertarian party better than the Republicans or the Democrats. But the past candidates you had, you know, look, George Jorgensen seems like a really nice person, just bad candidate. Uh, Gary Johnson seems like a great person, bad candidate. Now, Dave Smith, on the other hand, shout out again. I, I saw some people tweeting at me. They're like, you know, Dave, Tim shouted you out on his video. And I'm like, well, look, man, there's somebody I can take seriously. No joke. A great, great perform. Uh, what, what's the right word? Uh, um, I don't want to say performance in the sense that it's like uh, uh, performative, but when 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 he's on uh, TV talking with these people, one of the things I absolutely love is when the leftists are like, yeah, well, Donald Trump did this. And then Dave's like, I didn't vote for Donald Trump. I don't like him. And I'm like, yes, you they, they have no argument. If their argument is only, yeah, well, orange man bad, then you finally got someone who's like, I don't care. I care about principles. Now, to be honest, I do think what we're seeing with critical race applied principles is 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 horrifying. And that's a that is, in my opinion, a good reason to stop Democrats. Unfortunately, I just don't think anything's going to get done with the Republican Party. Sorry, that's just the reality. What is Mitch McConnell and Kevin McCarthy done at all? Nothing. They just sit there. So in the end, I think one of the big factors at play will be the economy. 
And when we take a look at the national economy and how people feel, they say for the most part, 36% say it's going fairly good. I, I don't agree with that. I really don't. Fairly good? No. Um, I mean, actually, it's tough to say fairly good and fairly bad. I wouldn't say unsure. I feel like it's just kind of 50-50. These restrictions, the mandates in New York City, I think are bad, are going to get worse. There's shortages. There's, there's concern about there's a labor shortage. Airlines can't, can't uh, staff their planes, so they're, sh- they're shutting down flights. There's fuel shortages in, in the Pacific Northwest because of a lack of truckers. There's gas stations across the United States that have no fuel because of a lack of truckers. And I see all these businesses are, sh- are struggling to stay open because nobody wants to work. I wouldn't call that doing well. So actually, I should say it's not 50-50. I think it's fairly bad, if not very bad. Maybe that's just because I'm paying attention. But of course, I want to play this game. Among Democrats, 58% say fairly good. Are you nuts? No, they just don't care. It's tribalism. Among Republicans, they say it is very bad. I have to say I kind of agree with that based on a lot of factors. But among independent voters, they actually still say fairly bad, not very bad. But the next highest is very bad. Independent voters, I think, will, will, will be the most important um, voting block coming up in 2020. Now, we're really far away. We're over a year out from the 2020 midterm elections. So perhaps it's a little preemptive for me to make any kind of predictions or analysis based on the current data. However, I I think this was important and I wanted to look at this stuff because, you know, honestly, during the past couple of years when we had midterms followed by presidential primary, followed by presidential election, I was actually tracking these polls quite a bit to see how the news was affecting public perception. And considering we're in that lull year where there's no election and there's, there's, there's no primary, there's no midterm, whatever, I haven't really taken a look at what the sentiment from the regular people was. Here we can see, I suppose, good news for Republicans. Now, I can certainly hope that Republicans actually do something. And I will say this. If the Republican Party brings about some populists, fighters, people who actually want to make a difference and fight for something, well, then, I'll, then, then you know, I think it's something worth voting for. There, there are several Republicans that I, I, I think Rand Paul's fantastic. We always give him a, a shout out. I think Thomas Massey does a great job. There's a few others. If, if, if you have Democratic, poli- uh, 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 Democratic politicians advocating for things, but you don't have Republican politicians advocating for things, then what's the point of voting for the Republicans if the only answer is we pause for a minute or we move to the left? There needs to be a way to say, hey, some of those left wing things I actually agree with. Many of these uh, uh, I don't. And then I look to my right and I see nothing. So it's either to say, I don't agree with that, Democrats, and the Republicans being like, but we're not going to do anything anyway. So that, that, that's been the problem for some time. And that's why I think things might uh, be changing, maybe for the better. This means that many people might start uh, as libertarians running in the Republican Party to make a change. Populists are going to start running. We've already seen them. They, they are doing it. And it may mean that many people just start pushing for the Libertarian Party. I'd love to see that, by the way. I wonder, though, because of the, the propagandistic mind lock the Democratic Party has with control of the media, I don't think you'll be able to break away enough of the more libertarian, uh, more libertarian Democrats who unfortunately believe fake news. And yes, I mean that. There are many Democrats who don't pay attention, don't know, and are just being fed bad information. And I'll use yesterday's uh, uh, discussion with Vosh as a good example. Vosh didn't know many things. To be fair, I'm not trying to be mean to him, but he said the 1619 project wasn't being taught in schools. 
Yes, it is. We pulled it up. He said critical race theory isn't being taught in schools. We pulled up the National, uh, what is it, the National Educators Association, one of the largest unions. And I said, here it is. They're saying it. He didn't know that. So he has interesting ideas. One of his ideas was like a business structure, kind of like a republic. And I really like that idea. And he, and he said that was socialism, or at least alluded to the fact that it could be. I don't care what you call it. I actually like the idea of co-ops. And Charlie Kirk agreed. Absolutely. The, uh, he's like, I got a soft spot for the working class. I agree with that. And I'm like, these are good things. But when we asked him about certain core issues, he didn't know. And I think that's the, the, the important issue here. Really, what all of this boils down to is, do you trust and that was one of the things I said when Charlie and Vosh were arguing over vaccines. I said, look, Dr. Brett Weinstein, brilliant, smart, PhD, evolutionary biologist with opinions. And then you've got government institutions. Who do you trust? Vosh said he trusts the institutions. Charlie said he didn't. You can't tell someone who to have faith in or who to believe. So ultimately, I think what it comes down to is that Charlie's read a bunch of information from non-mainstream sources and other doctors who he believes and Vosh trusts the government institutions and mainstream media. Because of that, you have a difference of opinion and belief. The root cause of everything is who do you trust, which is the challenge. How do you convince people who are more libertarian leaning, who might oppose the corrupt establishment and the wars, but because they don't investigate the news themselves, they just think Donald Trump is, is, is an evil madman come to take over the world. And then they vote in a corrupt crony corporatist that is Joe Biden. I don't have all the answers, my friends. I just am a guy who uh, reads stuff on the internet and does research all day. And I can only say, at the very least, informing people and showing them this stuff may be one of the best paths forward. Sharing this video with people may be one of the best paths forward. Because I'll tell you this, I, I love seeing this. You know, when we had Vosh on last time, we had him on this time. And there's so many leftists saying, you know, Tim wasn't actually that bad. You know, I was surprised, actually. It's like, maybe if you actually watched my videos, you'd be like, oh, Oh, okay. I understand what he's saying. I think it's absolutely fascinating. People were saying like, it seems like Tim actually cares about COVID more than Charlie does. And I'm like, did they just assume that I was an anti-vaxxer? Yes, because that's what they do. It's tribalism. They don't care about my, my, what, what my actual opinion is. And I always, it's just, it's, it's, it's insane. People need to actually watch, investigate. And I'll tell you what, this is why I think there's an issue with independents and Republicans drifting to one side and Democrats drifting to the other. When the riots happened, the Republicans said, we don't care if it's Trump in office, the country is going in the wrong direction. And the Democrats said, we don't care, the country has been in the wrong direction no matter what. And they didn't even think the Black Lives Matter protests were making it move in the right direction. Isn't that fascinating? It's because the Democrats follow the narrative. Republicans and independents are willing to question and challenge it. And therein lies a big problem for everybody. Everyone should question and challenge the narrative. Authority should always be questioned, Donald Trump or otherwise, Joe Biden or otherwise. But as we can see, the hyper partisans tend not to do that as much. And substantially worse is that Democrats almost never do it. It was amazing. The first time we had Vosh on, Vosh said, Tim, you're far right. And, I, and we, we like we left like what? It's like I could do a rant about progressive taxes and universal health care. And then the left is like, that's not enough. That's not enough to have those actual beliefs and opinions. You have to support Democrats. I'm like, why? They're corrupt cronies. <laughs> The only reason I support the Republicans was in opposition for the most part. I think that was a terrible idea. To be fair, Donald Trump had a bunch of policies I did agree with. School choice was big, opposing critical race theory. Long story short, I won't. This is actually a fairly long video. I'm not a fan of the Republican Party, never have been. Donald Trump was something different. 
Bernie Sanders had my support initially, and then he caved to the Democrats. So I tell you this, you get an honest, not racist. You know, I can't stand critical race theory. I can't stand the white nationalists. I think they're all insane and wrong. You, you give me classical liberal and traditionally liberal debate, and I will be very happy. Traditional liberal, classical liberal, or I should say social liberal and classical liberal. These are very similar positions with minor differences. I actually am not a classical liberal. I'm a social liberal, but it's almost the same thing. I just am more socially progressive than someone who is classically liberal. That's about it. Instead, what do we have? Last night, Charlie Kirk, a conservative, I didn't agree with him on, on most things. On facts, there were some things we agreed on and some things we didn't. I challenged him on some issues and others I agreed and challenged Vosh. Why? Because the reality is Tim Pool is a centrist, but the left has gone so far left and believed so much BS and bullcrap, they can't tell that anymore. People were surprised I was agreeing with Vosh. I'm like, why? I'm, a cent- I'm center left, literally, if you look at all of my political positions, but because I hate, I hate the corrupt crony Democratic Party. And I think they're the biggest problem we have, we have in this country right now. So you know what? We'll see how things play out. Tides are changing. I don't know how this will progress into the future, but I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up tonight at 8 p.m. over at youtube.com slash timcastirl. Thanks for hanging out, and I will see you all then. Over 1.2 million people have been apprehended illegally entering these United States, over 200,000 in the past month alone. The Daily Mail says this is the number of people being stopped along the border reaching a 20-year high. You add this to the very serious economic crisis that we're facing, and boy, do things sound really, really bad. One of the biggest issues we've been facing in terms of the migrant crisis is COVID, to be completely honest. We've got the rise of the Delta variant, which in my opinion seems to be a bit alarmist. We're seeing the reemergence of COVID restrictions and fears that in the next few weeks, there could be a serious lockdown. New York, of course, just mandated the vaccine for most indoor activities. Well, many conservatives pointed out, how are they going to tell us to wear masks, lockdown, can't have your business? We got to pay everybody money. We got to we got to shut down. We, have, we, we need a moratorium on evictions. But they're going to be bringing in 1.2 million people illegally into this country. How are they going to say all those things when Joe Biden was caught by a whistleblower smuggling children? in two different states. Well, we learned that there was a major COVID spike among illegal immigrants and among CBP. So now Joe Biden has his opportunity. The Daily Mail reports Biden administration to offer COVID vaccines to migrants in U.S. custody along the Mexico border as number of people stopped reaches 20 year high. Wonderful. Not only are vaccines going to be a uh, uh, Well, I should say in some places around the world, they are mandatory. In New York, they are, I'll I'll say mandatory because as far as I'm concerned, if you say, if you want to do any one thing, you're required to have a vaccination, that is mandating the vaccine. You know, I was thinking about it the other day and I said, I I don't want to call it a limited mandate because you can still go to supermarkets and stuff. But I was like, no, 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 no. If you can't live your life to the fullest, if you can't pursue happiness without some government restriction. I know there's there's some things in the reason that's a mandate. Now, to be, uh, be fair, there is a mandate against killing people and stealing from people. There is a mandate against owning fully automatic firearms without the uh, proper ATF uh, uh, approval, you know, your, your NFA permits and things like that. And yes, there is now a mandate. You get a vaccine in order for you to pursue happiness. And this conflicts with a lot of people. Ultimately, I think the decision should be up to you and your medical professional 
There's a big story right now I covered the other day, and now it's picking up steam. The band The Offspring. They've been around for, for, for decades. I was a big fan when I was a kid. And apparently they kicked their drummer out because he has Guillain-Barr syndrome. I'm probably pronouncing it wrong still. And he can't get the vaccine. This is the problem with mandates. It's also the issue with why you need to talk to your doctor. Because what if this guy wasn't paying attention and went and got it? And his doctor is like, no, don't do it. There are people. You got to take it to your doctor. Well, now we can rest assured because we're going to make sure that all of the illegal immigrants that are coming into this country during an economic crisis are going to get the opportunity, not the mandate, to receive the COVID vaccine. Now, my concern ultimately in the end is that we're going to be headed towards more lockdowns while they're bringing people in. I do not see how the economy of the U.S. does not just implode. I, just, I, don't, know, I don't see it. We got video after video of all of these people Live, sleeping under these bridges, these illegal, illegal immigrants. We've got story after story talking about the million plus, 1.2 million people coming in. All of these people now are going to try and work. Now, there's this, this belief among many on the left that they'll have to work, they'll make work for themselves, and that will help bolster the economy. But there's supply and demand issues. There's no stuff right now. We've got major shortages. You can't bring in 1.2 million people when we don't have stuff for the current people already here. So what does it say to me? With the debt ceiling crisis, the U.S. liquidating its assets and the illegal moratorium eviction uh, second wave, I guess we don't, it's, not, it's not an extension necessarily. It just says to me that it's, it's, it's almost like you ever play that game where you throw the egg to somebody. There's two people and you have an egg and you'll toss it to the other person and they try and catch it without having it break. And then you step back further and further and you're catching the egg and you try to absorb the energy so the egg doesn't splatter in your hand. That's what it is. We're the egg. That's the economy. And they're shuffling it back and forth, but they're trying to make sure that when they catch it, they absorb that energy and they don't let it crack in their hands. But eventually, as the game goes, the egg always ends up breaking at some point. So what I'm saying is we're being let down very slowly. Sooner or later, it will be suddenly. As the saying goes, gradually and then suddenly. Here's the story from the Daily Mail. They say President Joe Biden's administration will offer the COVID vaccine to migrants in U.S. custody. Along the Mexico border, a new report revealed as the number of people stopped reaches a 20 year high. The administration plans to offer the one shot Johnson and Johnson vaccine to migrants as they await processing by the U.S. Customs and Border Protection. The Washington Post reported, citing sources in the Department of Homeland Security. The vaccine would be given to those facing deportation as well as those released into the U.S. pending a court hearing. Migrants who are being sent back to Mexico under the Title 42 public health law would not be offered the shot. The rollout is being done as the states in the Southwest have seen an uptick in COVID cases thanks to the highly contagious Delta variant. In Texas, the daily case count exceeded 10,000 last week for the first time since February, and the Republican governor, Greg Abbott, blamed Biden's border policies for spreading the virus. Abbott last week authorized Texas state troopers along the border to stop any vehicle upon reasonable suspicion that it transports migrants, citing the growing COVID case rate in his state. But a federal judge on Tuesday blocked his order saying it would have the effect of exacerbating the spread of COVID-19. I love this. I just want to give a round of applause to the authoritarian crackpot state that is these United States. You get one guy being like, we're going to have to pull over any vehicle that we suspect of carrying migrants because it could spread COVID. And then a judge goes, I'm going to block that order because it could spread COVID. Oh, isn't it amazing? Okay, okay, let me try. Let me try, guys. Mm. All right, here we go. I, Tim Pool, hereby decree cilantro is banned because the production, transport, and trade could spread COVID. Sorry, cilantro. You're out. 
Is that the game we're playing now? Where the politicians are just like, uh, I think we should give Congress a raise. Uh, I agree, because if we don't, it could spread COVID. Is that that's where we're going? I'm 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 being somewhat facetious, but look at how hilarious it is that that you have Abbott and a judge both pointing the finger, saying, "No, you're spreading COVID. No, you're spreading COVID." Amazing. Meanwhile, the million plus people who have come into this country illegally literally did spread COVID. So, sure, what what what, what a clown world we truly live in. Arizona reported more than two thousand new cases on Saturday and Sunday, the highest daily total since early March. In July, 210,000 migrants crossed into the U.S. along the southern border, the highest one-month total in 21 years, according to the Department of Homeland Security. The number of children traveling alone who were picked up at the border reached an all-time high of more than 19,000 in July, according to preliminary numbers shared with the Associated Press by David Shahulian, Assistant Secretary for Border and Immigration Policy at the DHS. Quote, The rates at which encountered non-citizens are testing positive for COVID-19 have increased significantly in recent weeks. And although the rate of infection among CBP officers has been declining, this rate recently began increasing again, even though the percentage of officers and agents who have fully vaccinated has grown significantly since January. CBP was holding more than 10,000 migrants in custody as of August 1st, nearly eight times its COVID-adjusted capacity. Wow, that's insane. Eight times. On Monday, the CDC extended an order limiting entry for migrants due to the coronavirus title 42. Isn't this absolutely beautiful? Thank you, CDC, for saying we shouldn't be letting people in the country. And then Joe Biden being like, oh, come on, man, open the door and let them walk right in. Great. That 1.2 million number, those are the ones we apprehended. How many people did we not apprehend? I'm sure it's quite a bit. The Biden administration said Title 42 is responsible for sending away most single adult migrants who crossed illegally. And the United Nations and ACLU had called on President Biden to end the order. The order is used to expel roughly 100,000 mostly single adults each month. Additionally, about 20,000 detainees in ICE custody have received a dose of COVID vaccine so far. More than 1,000 immigrants were actively infected as of August 1st, and nine have died. The U.S. government is holding more doses of the COVID vaccine than it needs domestically. The administration donated and shipped more than 110 million doses of the vaccines to more than 60 countries, ranging from Afghanistan to Zambia, the White House announced Tuesday. The 110 million donated doses came from U.S. surplus vaccine stock as the pace of domestic vaccination slowed amid widespread vaccine hesitancy in the country. I don't agree with that, that, that phrasing of vaccine hesitancy, but, but I'll read one more. Let's read a little bit. They say roughly 90 million eligible Americans aged 12 and over have yet to receive one dose of the vaccine. I don't think vaccine hesitancy, it's, it's fair to say that's why things are slowing down. I certainly think one component of the lower vaccination rate, or I should say of the vaccination rate not being higher, is hesitancy. But what does that really mean? Hesitant to get the vaccine. Now, of course, as I say 50 billion times, you make your medical decisions between your trusted professionals, loved ones, doctors, whatever. I don't think it's that people are anti-vaxxers. That's the narrative you're, tr- you're, you're getting. There are all of these stories where it's like a guy and it's like guy gets COVID and then dies and last messages, I wish I had the vaccine. Or there was that woman in Alabama who was like, I take their hand and they say, I wish I had the vaccine. Can you give it to me? And I say, I'm sorry, it's too late. And I'm like, dude, these stories are so on the nose. I just, I'm sorry. I'm incredulous. I do not believe uh, uh, that there is somebody sitting on a bed and they're sitting there just like typing out some message to their family when they're sick or being intubated. 
I just I just don't see it. Now, what I think is a big component in the vaccination rate being low is that people are going to their medical professionals and getting advice. And what I mean by that is there are some people who can't get it. That's just it. The idea that everyone everywhere for any reason should just go out right now, walk up to a 7-Eleven and take, take a vaccine in the street. This is media propaganda. This is political. Now, I understand the reason for doing it, but you got to make medical decisions. You got to talk to people you know and trust who are going to tell you based on your age group, the risk rate, all of those things. And you know what? I do believe most doctors will say, you can get the vaccine. And I will say to a lot of people who are like, you know, I had Charlie Kirk and Vosh on the other day. And Charlie was saying things like it's, it's, it's experimental or it's not efficacious. And I, we have a story on TimCast.com. Actually, the Pfizer vaccine is particularly uh, uh, effective. And more importantly, for those that are concerned about mRNA, the Johnson & Johnson vaccine is not an mRNA vaccine. That, that's, that's the one that really, really confuses me with a lot of these lines when people are like, yeah, but mRNA this or that. And I'm like, so there's Novavax coming out and there's Johnson & Johnson. It's not uh, uh, an mRNA vaccine. I don't think it's an MMR vaccine, which is interesting. It's, 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 they say it's more similar to that. They say they basically took a piece of DNA from uh, uh, COVID, uh, the COVID spike protein or something like that, and then they put it in a common cold virus and adenovirus. Anyway, I digress. People are, you know, they want FDA approval, and that I absolutely respect. You know, if someone said, I want to wait for it to be, you know, approved, sure. But I'll tell you this. My opinion on all of this stuff, my opinion and I'm going to leave it to you. You make your decisions. Don't come to me expecting me to be able to, be able to give you all of the answers because I, I certainly can't. But check this out. We got the story from TimCast.com. Tyson Foods will require employees to be vaccinated. The meatpacker announced the policy to workers on Tuesday. But it's more than just that. It's not just a mandate. It's something else. Let me read a little bit. Tyson's U.S. office workers have until October 1st to be fully vaccinated. Its plant employees have until November 1st. Senior corporate executives must be vaccinated by September 24th. Quote, Tyson plans to give frontline workers who get vaccinated the $200 bonus, in addition to the current policy of providing up to four hours of pay for getting inoculated outside of work or through an external provider. The extra pay, as well as the deadline, are subject to talks with unions who represent those employees. Now, this is just one more story, right, in, in, in regards to mandatory vaccines. But I think it's a good example that it's coming. It's going to be happening. Now, I mentioned this before a couple times, saying that I, did, I, I thought it was fine if a, if a private business wanted to mandate vaccines. And a lot of people got mad saying, you're for mandated vaccines. And I'm like, well, actually, I am a bit more libertarian I do not think the government should intervene and tell a private business what they can or can't require. Uh, and then someone said, so you're saying that a private business could fire someone who got an abortion? And I'm like, it's the it's the bar. The, the, yes. You know, I, I think that's a bit, you know, pushing, trying to like push the envelope in, in a sense or like trying to push me to a position that that is actually quite controversial, difficult. But the point is, for the most part, I think the employer and the employee, they have no obligation to each other. The problem I have with, you know, what we're seeing now, people saying you shouldn't be able to mandate it at a private business, is that you're effectively saying that, you know, the business and its people have, uh, are, are being regulated under, under, under the government as per that arrangement and agreement, and there's limits. I'm not going to pretend to have all the answers, to be completely honest. 120,000 employees might be a little too much. And I think the problem with it is what we saw with Pete Parada of The Offspring. That I don't agree with, right? If there is someone who has a medical exemption, firing them, I think is absolutely wrong. And it's discrimination. 
Of course, then there's the conundrum of me saying the government should regulate that you can't fire someone for medical exemptions. But you see that you see the problem. So I try to be a bit more libertarian in the sense that the private businesses, uh, you don't have to you don't have to enter into a contract with them for employment. They owe, don't owe you anything. But I'm not going to pretend that it's an easy answer in any capacity. I like the idea of private businesses saying like, you know, leave us alone, let us do our thing, let us do our thing. But then I don't like the idea of discrimination on the basis of, 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 you know, medical issues, which is still another government regulation. So this is why I'm so often kind of just like on the in the middle, because it's not like there's a simple solution to these very serious moral questions. But I, I bring up Tyson just to mention, to, to highlight an example. More and more industries are going to start doing this. They say the United Food and Commercial Workers, uh, the UFCW, represents 24,000 Tyson workers. The union encourages workers to get vaccinated, but wants to ensure workers' rights are not violated. We believe the FDA must provide full approval of the vaccines and help address some of the questions and concerns that workers have. This is from their international president, Mark Perone. Additionally, employers should provide paid time off so that their essential workers can receive the vaccine without having to sacrifice their pay and can rest as needed while their body adjusts to the vaccine and strengthens their immune system to fight off the virus. I want to stress one thing as well, too. If your employer tells you you need to get the vaccine to keep working there, they are legally responsible for any adverse event. That is on the CDC's website. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I think it's on the CDC's website. It's on a .gov, at the very least. So if your boss is like, I want you to get this, if uh, first of all, I think, I'll tell you this, my problem with it for the most part is is like you shouldn't tell someone they have to have it just because people need to talk to their doctors about what's right for them. And I don't like the idea of a doctor being like, eh, why not? It's like, dude, if I don't, if, if I have like a headache and it's a two out of 10, I'm not going to go take ibuprofen. If it's a five, maybe if it's a six, seven, eight, nine or 10, yeah, I'll be throwing down some Advils or something. But my, my point is, you need to have that assessment with your doctor. And there's a problem, I think, with the, with these industries outright mandating to 120,000 people. Now, again, like I said, these are difficult moral questions. What I explained on Timcast IRL is that I think scale is very important. If it's a small business with less than 50 employees, I think they should have a lot more freedom and leeway in who they work, who they do and don't work with. If it's 120,000 people, well, then we've got and then we've got some other issues. But I will tell you this. It's very simple, my friends. If there's 120,000 employees and the business says we want to mandate a vaccine, I say fine, because they have a union. And if the union doesn't represent the workers, well, then the workers aren't being represented. And I don't think we need government intervention in that capacity. But again, I'm not going to pretend to have all the answers. I will say people should quit. And I know a lot of people saying, I don't want to quit. I can't quit. It's hard. It's not easy. People don't want to leave New York City. Now look what happened. Now you, I tell you this, man, I know people in New York who are angry and livid, and I'm willing to bet, I put a, I would put a, a gentleman's bet, a gentleman's bet means no money. They're going to get the vaccine. These people who are conservative, who say they live there and they're like, I can't believe this is happening. What do you mean? Of course I can believe it's happening. And so they're probably just going to go out and get the vaccine. And I'll tell you this, if you don't like the mRNA stuff, Johnson and Johnson, but I'll tell you, you know, don't take advice from me. That's that's talk to your doctor. I tell you what, though, it's coming. I think the lockdown's here to stay. I think we are addicted to this system and we'll never give it up. Fox five San Diego says stimulus checks. Could payments turn into monthly guaranteed income? Ah, there we go. Progressive Democratic lawmakers proposed legislation on Friday that would issue recurring stimulus checks or guaranteed income with monthly payments of up to twelve hundred dollars for adults and six hundred dollars for children. 
saying poverty is a choice. Ilhan Omar tweeted, it's time we prioritize new economic indicators and economic policies that will prioritize sustainable and equitable growth. Today, we're introducing two bills, a guaranteed income bill, a bill to establish an alternative economic metric, a new economic metric, basically universal basic income. People aren't working right now. If nobody makes stuff, you got no stuff, you can't buy stuff. If you give everybody money, they won't need to work and they won't need to make stuff and there'll be no stuff. A lot of people are saying people realized work sucks. These jobs are unfulfilling. And I'm like, yes, work sucks. And I, I, you know what, man? The problem we have in this country, I think, is that we have been raised to believe we're going to play video games and go on motorcycles. You know, I grew up with work. My family had a cafe and I worked there and it was what you did. And there was enjoyment and satisfaction in the accomplishment. And now you have today people saying, but I don't want to work. I want to sit around and do nothing. Why? You know what, man, for all of the craziest conspiracy theories that are out there, I can't imagine that there is a group of learned individuals of better men, as they've been described. And I mean that facetiously, who are sitting there thinking like, it's good that people don't want to work and want to extract resources from the system without providing anything to it. Okay, I guess I don't think that's going to end very well. Because eventually you run out of stuff and then there's no stuff to eat and then you're hungry and then what are you going to do? Eat the grass? I guess that's where we go, huh? The stimulus thing that I see here suggests to me, should it succeed in some capacity? I mean, it's already basically functioning. The lockdown will never end. They'll just create more and more excuses as to why people can't or shouldn't work. Maybe there will be a renaissance. People will start taking time to think and develop and it will help stop cultural stagnation because our culture is stagnated. No joke. Maybe. I'm not entirely confident. At the very least, I can say this. If you are a person of means and talent and ability and intelligence, you're going to be fine. You know, things might get a little worse. The night is always darkest before the dawn, but I'm, I'm confident. I'm comfortable. I, I, I see all of these things and I'm like, yeah, that's going to suck, I guess. This destroying of small businesses, the riots, now the lockdowns. But you know what? We're survivors, aren't we? America's uh, long been I think we will be just fine, you know, but I will stress we have to remain vigilant and, and keep our eye on these things and push back where we where we th- see the excesses. Otherwise, you fall and you become like communist China or the Soviet Union. So it's important we address these things, push back and say no to them. And I think it's also important to recognize that, let's be real, most of us are pretty capable. And I think in the worst case scenario, we'd probably be OK. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. over at youtube.com slash timcast. Thanks for hanging out, and I will see you all then.